Amen, amen. God loves a cheerful giver, amen. He sure does, he sure does. All right, let's take your revelation that you brought with you today. It's sure good seeing you together in the house of the Lord. Uh, we may be few in number, but the great blessing of it is that the Lord promises his presence. That's what's most important. It, it was with him showing up with us, amen. And uh, we sure miss when our brethren are out for whatever reason they are, but we're we going to praise him and give him glory, no, no matter what. Amen. I've learned walking with Jesus, I can have fun with people or without people with him. Amen. And, uh, but one thing that I do delight in is being able to gather uh, with his people and uh, celebrate life and grace with them. All right, so I want you to take your spot today in Matthew chapter number 21. And also, when you get there, I want you to turn over to the Older Testament book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles. We're going to look at a couple passages in First Chronicles in light of what we're reading right now in Matthew. First Chronicles 23 and First Chronicles 29. I would encourage y'all at a little bit of your, uh, I don't, I wouldn't call it um, uh, spare time. We don't, none of us have really any spare time. We may have some non-productive time, but uh, when we when we just got a little breathing room in there. Uh, but in your time of reading, you know, we studied uh, about the kingdom of God from an Older Testament perspective. We've looked at. Uh, from Genesis again and again up to uh, King Saul and King David. Uh, we, we're going to get back into the kings here again fairly soon where we pick up to the kingdom with, with Solomon. And I, I just believe in repetition. With me, I, I learn things when I read them again and again, when I go over them again and again. When I think about them again and again, I tell you, there's nobody in this room, there's nobody on this planet that I preach to more than myself. Not just preaching to myself from day in and day out, and prayerfully the Lord will do that, but I go over these messages again and again uh, after I preach them, before I preach them. I, there's no telling how many times I've listened to my own self preaching again and again of of just going through and, and just thinking about what, what God has done and His graciousness uh, with us, looking for uh, growing, looking for uh, the grace and the glory of God through it, listening to what God has done and is doing. And we, we want to uh, pick up on some things out of the book of Chronicles that we didn't actually look in when we finished up in the book of 1 Samuel. We, we will stay close to a book when we do that. We will look in other areas. We did look at some things that were highlighted out of Chronicles. But remember, Chronicles, I encourage you while we were reading through it, is one of those books that you want to read parallel to your time reading through Samuel in the Kings because it's going gonna, it's gonna to highlight some things that maybe Samuel didn't or Kings won't and Chronicles will, and they will, it'll bless you when you go through. You'll pick up some things that like, whoa, what a word uh, to grab and hold on to. For an example, that, there's a passage in, in 2 Chronicles 16, 9 that says, For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, Amen. seeking a heart that will be loyal 
or single-minded toward him that God may show himself strong on their behalf. You won't find that anywhere else in the scriptures outside of 2 Chronicles 16, 9. But it's one of those passages that you want to lock down and remember as you walk through this day, as, you, as you, we walk through this service, as we walk through the word, that God's surveying this room right now. And not only does he remember, not only does he write down things, because also Malachi tells us, and this is the only place you see this, Malachi will tell us that there's a book of remembrance being written right now. It says, those that fear the Lord sat and talked about him, and a book of remembrance was written before the Lord for us gathering together today. God notes when we gather. And God notes when we talk about him. Amen. It is recorded. It is logged in heaven as something significant, important, something great, if God keeps record of it, from the from a good standpoint. Amen. So Second Chronicles 16.9 is one of those you just wouldn't find in another place. Well, we're going to see some things David says in regard to the heart of the people of God and the heart of his son and the heart of the servants of God when it comes to uh, their daily walk with him and their service of the temple. Remember in our Matthew reading, go back to Matthew chapter 21, in our Matthew reading, Jesus enters into the city. If you would, let's just start in verse number one. It gives us the location where they were at. Sometimes people will attempt to couple a passage together when Jesus talks about the lost sheep in, in Matthew and he talks about the lost sheep in Luke's gospel when he tells those three stories with that one parable. Remember the story in Luke's gospel? It said like this, there was a lost son, there was some lost silver, and there was some lost sheep. Sheep, sheep silver, and the son. Now, with each one of those cases, something was lost, something was found, and there was great celebration over each of those. Now, when Jesus told that story, he was, he was in another place. And when he talks about when a, a sheep goes astray and a man goes after him, he's willing to leave the 99 to go out, he was in another area. So we see two different complete stories, and that's why it's important to know the location. Where was Jesus at? when he was teaching this particular thing. Because Mark may highlight something, or Luke may say something, and, and Jesus would repeatedly tell a story of the same characters or the same context, but he would tell it again in another place, just like I would. Things that I teach and preach here are things that I would teach and preach in other places. But every time I teach it and preach it, I may highlight something different. Or bring in a different application, though the same root basis of trying to drive a point home with the people that I'm with. Well, we see this very thing happening here. Now, verse 21, I mean, chapter 21 and verse 1 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, so now we know where he's at. They draw near to Jerusalem, and they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find what? You will find a fold, a donkey tied, and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. 
And if anyone says anything to you, you say to them, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. The scripture says, and all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Lowly, he's coming, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Now over in Luke's gospel, Luke highlights something in it that when they went, they found it. Just as Jesus said it would be. We've talked about that before. Remember when we are going and we find in life, we find in life as Jesus said it would be. That's, that's, that's worth celebrating and praising. Amen. We see in life unfold. We see in events unfold. We see in things come together as Jesus said it would be. Now I've got to be in the right place at the right time under the right command on the right assignment. If I'm not in that, I'm not going to see it as he meant it to be. Are you with me? Every time we see God's people being sent on an assignment, we've already talked about it in the first part of Matthew's gospel, that they went and they found it as he meant. Thank the Lord for that, that we can see it as he meant it to be. Well, verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt to him. They laid their clothes on him, and he sat on them. Something that's never been rode before, which you know as well as I do, Something ain't never been rode before. Normally don't like to be rode. Are you with me? But the colt was submissive to the king. Brought it in submissive. Um, Just a little side note. Let me give you all a little little, um, piece of uh, lanyard. There's an actor out out there by the name of Russell Crowe. Anybody heard that name before? Russell Crowe plays in a movie called Noah. I think it's called Noah. I would highly, highly recommend you do not watch it. Come on. Do not watch it. It is, it is terrible, horrible. It is no good. It is no good at all. Just telling you that up front. If you see it, I know most of you, how many of y'all like watching Russell Crowe movies? He's a good actor. Yeah. He's one play Gladiator and some other things. He normally he is a good actor and convincible actor. You don't know who we're talking about. We're talking a foreign language to Pam. Well, they come out with a movie not too many years ago. I don't know when it was, and it was all about Noah and the Ark and the flood and the judgment. And you're not here to learn about that today. I know. I'm just telling you in advance. Don't. There's no need to watch it. It'll just frustrate you, get you aggravated. This is what I'm saying. The point I'm making is that God did something supernatural with the creatures. And the scriptures tell us in the book of Genesis, all the creatures, God drew them to Noah. He brought them that were to come to him. And God tells us, that's one of those things you hear. You ever heard the story? People tell you about Noah. They only, two of each kind came. Well, the scriptures give us more insight on that. And the scriptures tell us there were seven pairs, a male and his female, of those that were the clean animals. So when you hear the story of Noah and you hear people talk about it, a lot of times they don't 
get it, they don't, they don't speak of it right. Same way with the nativity. Y'all going to see some nativities coming up. You probably got some nativities. You know, the nativities always have the wise men in it, right? Well, the wise men, according to what we've just read, they didn't come for at least two years later. So Jesus wasn't in the manger. He was a toddler. And at that point in time, uh, once they come to his house and they saw him, God, God sent them on to Egypt because Herod was going to try to, to try to kill him. So those are things that our, our culture sells to us, but they're not rooted in nor the result of, of the truth. They, I mean, they have some dynamics there, but they're just not biblically accurate. And, and, and we want to know the truth. And because wanting to know the truth so that we can, what, apply the truth correctly. That, that's, that's very, very important for us. Not that we want to be stagnant in our knowing nor our application. We want to celebrate it. We want to, we want to rejoice over what we know and walk in. Amen? And of course, there's so much more that we don't know. How many, how many of y'all think we foul up some things? And tell some people some, some falsehoods that are really not I mean, they have some elements of the truth to it, but not uh, the fullness of it. Well, we, we're growing. Our world is in, in the kingdom of God, the believers, that we're all growing in those things. But we, we do want to recognize that we need to be growing. Amen? Well, God brought them. Well, the point I'm making is this, is that if God was able to bring all those beasts, all those creatures, he can sure enough make a donkey subject to a king. Amen? And he come in according to what was written. That, that cult was subject to Jesus because of the work of God and the prophetic scriptures that were proclaimed. That cult was there because of what the scriptures said it would be there. He was subject to Jesus because of what was said. And just like we looked at last Sunday night. What did we look at Sunday night? Remember how the Jews wouldn't believe? Because they what? Couldn't believe? That they shouldn't believe, so that what? We could, we would, and we should. Amen? Amen. God and His wisdom. It says that, hey, they didn't because the prophet said they couldn't. And they wouldn't, nor should they. So we see all this is based on the scriptures. So let's go back, verse number eight. And it says, And a great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes went before those who followed, and they cried, and they said, Hosanna. What does that word mean? Hosanna. What does that mean? Y'all probably got a note in there. What does it say? Save now. Today is the day of salvation. Save now the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all they're doing, what they're drawing out out of the scriptures. Out of what psalm? Psalm what? 118. Psalm 118. Which goes on to say that the day of, today is the day of salvation. A day that we should what? Rejoice and be glad. be glad in it. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? And that's good. Move, stirred, God at work. So the multitude said, this is who? This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Boy, we need people asking us that same thing, huh? Amen. Man, who is this? Who is this? 
that has you doing what you're doing, going where you're going, speaking the way you speak, living the way you live, talking the way you talk. Who is this? Because they were moved. And what do we say? Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, can y'all matter? How many of y'all ever been in a foreign place where they had an open market and there was a lot of buying and selling going on. There was a lot of bidding and back and forth. Anybody ever been over to a place like that? I mean, it's noisy. I mean, it's, it's chaotic is what it is. And if you're not used to that kind of stuff, it, it'll make you a little nervous, won't it, Tammy? Going through that because number one, you think you're getting, you think you're getting robbed at every, everything you're buying and selling. You see people wheeling and dealing. And if you're not a wheeler and dealer, Man, you, you, boy, it's like a lion with a lamb. They're going to eat you alive, won't they? Yeah. Because they're going to, they're going to jack up the price. So, Miss Alone and them, when they went over to Israel, they had a guy that was their tour guide that was from over there. He told them, do not purchase anything without letting him know what they're about to buy. He said, these people, will rip you off, and they see you, you make sure. Because they're not supposed to do that. Our economy depends on y'all coming over here and doing what you're doing. And if y'all getting ripped off, and y'all go back home and tell everybody you're getting ripped off, I make my livelihood by you coming. These people make their livelihood by you being here, and we're not going to put up with it, and we will report them that they're trying to rip you off. And sure enough, one of the guys bought something, Brother Marvin was telling because they went over there together and he come back and showed it and he said, what'd you pay for that? And he told him, he took that guy and went back to that guy that he bought it from. He made him give him his money back right there and told him that he was, he was reporting him right then to such and such. Old boy quickly gave him his stuff back and he said, I told you, don't buy anything unless you go through me first. They will rip you off yeah. if they can, if they can. If they can. So all this is going on. Imagine what the temple sounded like. Yeah. All this chitter-chatter, this bidding, these buying. You had 15 people in there selling doves, and everybody wanted you to buy a dove from them. So it's like walking through these markets like I've been in Egypt. I've been in Israel. I've been in these other places like that. When you're walking down the streets, little kids are running up to you trying to sell you a little bitty trinkets they've been making. They'll tell you, you know, just a, a penny, a penny, and they want to pretty much give them away. And, and you just have to be aware of that, that that's going on. Well, that kind of stuff was happening in the temple. People were profiting. People were buying. I mean, it was a need. They needed to have things to make a sacrifice. So they capitalized on a need, whether they needed a bull or a dove or whatever it was. And that was all based on what they could afford. Because every sacrifice, God gave it to those that could afford more, um, gave more. Those that couldn't, God made provision for all that. There was not one person, no matter how wealthy or how 
uh, poor you may have been, God made provision for you to be able to do something out of your heart toward him. Well, they capitalized on that and turned the temple into merchandise and it, the clutter and the, and the, the, the talk and the jitter and the jatter and all that became what was central and, and distracted to what they were really there for. And that was to, in obedience, and trust to serve in the fear of the Lord and honor God. Well, with all that chaos market happening, Jesus comes in and sees it, and he's had enough of it. And the father whispered in his weird ear and told him to run him out of there. And he did. That's exactly what he did. And the people that were in there who were also profiting off of it, don't you think, I'd imagine... I mean, there had to be a deal. I mean, anybody that lets you use their facilities, like Boo at the atrium, I'd imagine at the atrium where she sails up there, that she has a fee that she pays monthly for her area. Somebody provided it. Somebody made the space available. Somebody gives you the, the right to sell your goods in there. So you give them a, a monthly fee or a portion or whatever it is. There were people not only profiting for selling the doves, but in the leadership, they were making money on the side too. I mean, you, you had people trapped. Not everybody could, could bring a lamb from afar. Not everybody could bring caged doves not everybody could bring grain and all so they made it easy for them we'll have it all available you just show up our economy needs it you come from rome you come from this place you come from that place you don't have to worry about bringing stuff we'll have it here at the temple for you when you get here can you see a market in that i mean if that was in those days they would have had a neon sign all you need is provided. Just come on. We'll make it convenient for you. We'll, we'll make a drive-through offering for you. You can bring your ties through the drive-through. Are you with me? Then folks down in Louisiana, I'm telling you what, brother Danny, he knows. They'll do whatever they can to make a dollar. When I was down there, look, they had drive-through daiquiri places, drive-through everything. You name it. If you, if they could get you some alcohol, they'd just let you drive through and buy it. Well, there's drive-through prayer services, drive-through giving, drive-through, all this kind of stuff everywhere you go. That would be going on. That's what was going on then. The emphasis was on everything but the Lord. Amen. And eventually, what we see is Jesus dealing with it. But that's not how it started out. That's not how it began. And that's why Jesus said, my father's house, my house, was to be a house of a prayer. And when he tells them that, then we see what happens. Verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and they were crying out, save now, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were filled with rage and anger and said to him do you hear what these are saying and Jesus said to him yes I hear have you never read out of the mouth of what babes and nursing infants you God have perfected what praise in the Old Testament Psalm 8 that word praise is the word strength 
Remember we've talked about that before with the dirt daubers? That God has ordained strength out of the mouth of sucklings and babes to steal or quiet or paralyze the avenger and the enemy. That when we praise God, when we make praise part of our everyday walk, and the platform of that is obedience. So when we're walking in obedience, we're giving praise unto the Lord. And when we praise God, what God does, He paralyzes or renders the enemy less of a threat or powerless over our life, just like when a dirt dauber stings a spider and then carries that spider back up to the nest and builds that little uh, mud nest around it and lays its larva on top of that. That spider is not dead. That spider is alive. It's breathing. It's just been paralyzed. It can't do nothing. It can't go anywhere. It's been rendered powerless. And Jesus was saying when we live in adoration and praise based on obedience to God, that's what God does for our enemy. He renders him powerless over our life. You cannot, I cannot, we cannot substitute obedience and praise in our everyday walk. Amen? Amen. You cut that out, what do you have? You have merchandise and a marketplace in the temple. That's what was going on in that day. And they wasn't praising God. They were focusing in on their profitability with the things of God, but really wasn't given adoration in their daily walk with Him. And I want you to just... Remember, remember this, this is a pattern that we see with God. This is a pattern that we see, and this is what the Scriptures instruct us to do. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, you could quote it, I know you could. What does it say? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, what do you do? Present, present yourself unto God as what? Living sacrifices don't let this world shape you don't be conformed by the word but be what transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God now that right there along with the entirety of the word of God presents to us a flow of how things work in the kingdom of God Adoration or praise for God always supersedes or precedes transformation by God. We are not going to be renewed and transformed if I'm not presenting myself in humble adoration and praise unto God. Amen. It's not going to happen. So I give myself an adoration and praise because God is worthy of my life. He's worthy of my breath. He's worthy of my adoration and praise. And then God does something in the transforming side. And see, adoration always comes before transformation. And then what follows transformation is the application of the truths that God has used to transform us. That's where we prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. And without application, Tamley, in our daily life of the truth that God's pouring into us, there's no affirmation before the world we live in. Meaning I'm not involved in affirming what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
So if you strip praise from my life, what follows that is I'm not being renewed and transformed. If I'm not being renewed and transformed, I'm not going to apply the truths that, that I could be applying if I had presented myself to God. God then transforming who I am and therefore then with me applying it in my daily life, letting it flow out of me, it's then that I affirm to a world around me what is the will of God. Not just for me, but for the people that God has planted me among or placed me in. So I would encourage you always remember that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, God has ordained strength. And our strength is praise. Praise always comes before the transformation of our lives and our mind so that I can apply God's work and that God can affirm his witness upon me. If I'm not living in praise... I won't be continually transformed. And if I'm not being transformed, I won't apply God's truth. And if I'm not applying God's truth, I can't affirm the gospel in this world that God has sent me in to affirm it through. Are you with me? That's a pattern we see throughout the word of God. Adoration, transformation, application, affirmation. I just put those Asians in there to help us remember. Adoration. Transformation, application, affirmation. That's what God does. I brought these in here today. Say what, Carolyn? They pretty? She said, mm. They were really pretty. They were. Last week, what did we talk about? What were some of the gleanings we talked about? Seeking. Serving, shining, and sharing. You see, those things fit exactly what I just referred to of the adoration, transformation, application, and affirmation. Same thing. We see it. You're not ever going to get away from it in the kingdom. It's just not going to, it's always going to be there. Well, this plant, Stephanie, these mom stephanie picked up they all they were really pretty and they were watered they're not they're not they don't look like this because they wasn't watered the problem is they were drowned in their water there was no outlet for the water to escape So they sat in water instead of the water flowing through them. And as a result, they drowned in the water they had because there was no way for the water to get out. Now, this is made so that water would pass through. The soil would get wet and stay damp, stay moist. It would supply the plant with with the water that it needed. But because this container... Had no outlet. These plants died. Now it's been looking like this for a week now. She asked me the other day to get rid of them. So I, um, I did. But I set them in the back somewhere where I can go to them. Because so, we're going to use this to teach a little bit. Same way with us. You see... People that just absorb 
but have no outlet of the living water of God, they just wallow and drown in it. It has to flow through us. God works what? For us, to work with us, to work through us. With us is the idea, yes, in us, for us, in us, through us, for us, with us, through us. He works for, he does something that we cannot do. We work with him when we believe what he done that we cannot do. And then he works through us to have an influence or an impact on, on the people around him. That for, with, and through is the same thing as we adore him for what he's done for us. We trust him. We praise him. He then works in us or with us in faith when we trust him. He transforms and he renews. And then we apply. We let that flow out of our life, Keith. God has a principle. If you want to keep something, you got to what? You got to give it away. If you want to walk in it, you got to give it away. You got to live it out. You got to share it. That's that seed. If a seed stays in our pocket or up on this table up here, it's just going to stay just the way it is. But you put that seed in the ground in the right soil in the right time and with the right sunlight, with the right moisture, that seed's going to produce other seeds. Amen. Just inevitable. It's got to flow though. Just like this ground out here. Those years I was able to grow gardens, I man, that thing grows a great garden. Why? It's got some sandy soil in it. And that sandy soil with the right nutrients in that soil, it allows that soil to drain. And, but if it wouldn't drain and that water would just stay stagnant in there and it would pool up and pond, it'd kill everything in it. Why? That water's got to flow through it. And the living water of the Word's got to flow through us too. It'll keep, God keep the bucket full. Amen. amen. Oh, yeah. But see, you got to go water. You got to go give it away. So that's why I, I brought that in here today. And the same principle, that's what Proverbs 11, 25 says. He who waters shall be watered himself. He shall be continually watered himself. Somebody give me the time real quick. It's too good to go right now, huh? 11.58. I told y'all we were going back to Chronicles, and we are tonight. I was planning on this morning. Go ahead. We with you, brother. I knew you couldn't see all that well, but now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they still got a little bit to them. And I, I, look, now you can see it, huh? Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm the one who, who put the water on them, but at the whole time, because they did so well up to a certain point. But I didn't know that there was not a drain down here in the whole time when it looked like they needed water. So you add water, and all you're doing is killing what you thought you was helping. Are you with me? You see, and that's what happens with with us. I mean, you you can be around people and 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 people that don't have an outlet to get away, to share, to to pull out. You pull more into them, and all you're doing is hindering them, and where they already are, because they're not releasing what has already been put in them. Are you with me? And you don't want to be in that position. That's why the scriptures teach us again and again and again. Go. 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 Speak. Share. Every time the prophets of old, they kept getting in trouble for speaking the word of God. And it was causing them a lot of heartache and pain. They said, we, we're going to quit talking about you, God. 
But they realized it was more troublesome for them not to talk about God, what he put in them, than it was when they were being persecuted for talking about them. And they said, we can't help it. We got to go tell. We got to go get it out of us because there's, there's greater trouble within us when we don't release it. Even though when we release it, it's a guarantee we're going to be persecuted. We would rather the persecution than the bubbling fire that's within us that can't get out. I want to tell you, go share. Amen. Amen. Go share. Tonight, I encourage you to read uh, chapter 23 and then 28 and 29. The last few chapters of First Chronicles are, are David in his preparation of turning the kingdom over to his son. And the establishment of the very temple that we're reading here. Now that temple was destroyed. It was destroyed. The Babylonians come in and destroyed it. Well God sent them back and they rebuilt it. Zerubbabel and Joshua rebuilt the temple. Herod added on to that temple. And it's the temple that Jesus walked in. And that Jesus is teaching from. But the principles that David established based on the authority of the word of God applied to them and those principles apply to you and me today not from the temple perspective we're not going to a temple we're not bringing that kind of stuff remember and the temple was just a shadow of something greater but we can learn a lot about what David prayed for and what he asked God to do and what he recognized God had already done in our daily walk as well, so that we don't fall in the place where Jesus has to turn the tables over in our life because of all the chitter-chatter that's going on, but nothing's really happening for the glory of God. Are you with me? We don't want to get caught up in that, that phase of the journey. We want, to, we want to praise Him, amen? And when you praise Him, what does He do? He renders the enemy less of a threat, powerless. He paralyzes that enemy in avenger. Then He transforms... And then we get to apply, and he affirms his presence upon our life. Man, what a blessing, amen? What a blessing. Father, we thank you today for these things. We ask you to help us, teach us, walk with us. We want you to do as we we've, we've know you do. That is, thank you for doing so many things for us, for your glory and on our behalf, that we can trust you and work with you, that you work in us and through us. We don't want to be a stagnant well. We want to see living water flowing like a river out of our life. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just be careful out there. Be safe. Keep your hands clean. Wear your mask. I know we don't. They're they're inconvenient, I know. Um, But uh, fortunately, the Lord has kept us all uh, safe through these things, and we just want want to be wise and um, we don't get to see y'all tonight that are not here. Y'all have a great week, great Thanksgiving. And I know some of you get together with, with some of your family, probably not the way that you have in the past and, and all. And um, but may the Lord help us all redeem the time. Yeah. Amen. May, may we all redeem the time. And uh, be grateful for what we have, what he's done, what he's doing, and still what's to come. Amen. Come still what's to come. Still wants to come. Anybody else? God's mm, don't let you mess ups. Mess you up. Man, don't let you mess up. How many of y'all mess up pretty consistently? Just don't let them mess you up. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank Him for His mercy and His grace. 
Keep walking with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, hey, hey. Now it's important. Don't let the mess ups of others mess you up either. Amen. Telling you. Remember that. Don't let their mess ups mess you up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Father, we love you and praise you. Ask you to be with us. Lead us through this day. We thank you for your guidance. Thank you for gathering us. Thank you for looking over us. Pray that you use each one of us. Thank you for letting us pray for one another. Pray over each other. Pray for one another. And that uh, we can celebrate your goodness and your grace. That we would trust you uh, with our own life and trust our brethren uh, to you. And that, Lord, you would uh, continue to, to lead us in every step of the way. That you're going to find it. We're going to be praising you. We want to praise you. We want to adore you. Thank you for working those, uh, doing what only you can do in our heart and mind to make us those vessels of your mercy. So help us praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all. Y'all have a great day.